Greetings to all watching and listening to this episode of Chizuba Talks. My name is Tej and I have the honor and the privilege to host phenomenal individuals on this podcast. What comes to your mind when I say student? A sophomore student at that. Head wrapped in headphones, airpods, late nights of partying and of course studies. But what if I say founder and president? What if I say founder of a non-profit and an empathetic leader? Well, I have one such extraordinary young woman in the studio today. Meet Manya Pandey, founder and president of a 501c3 nonprofit called Love for Red. While students her age are overwhelmed with tasks, this young lady has her priorities right. She's out to make a difference and how. Let us find out. Welcome to the podcast, Manya. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolute pleasure to have you on board. I'm so excited to talk to such a young leader uh, about something that she is passionate, right? So you're, you're talking about period poverty, and uh, of course, it is a global issue. You are not just talking about it, but you are taking action. What was the incident yeah. that compelled you to take this initiative to start your own nonprofit? Yeah, so I began Love for Red three years ago when I was 15 years old and in high school. But the story starts earlier than that. My mother grew up in India, and when she first got her period, she did not have access to menstrual products. And she told me about her experiences with menstruation when I was younger, and that stuck with me. And as I grew older, that kind of stuck with me, and I remembered it but I couldn't connect with it as much. Mm -hmm. And then during my sophomore year in high school, I remember seeing a post on Instagram about women in prisons and all of these struggles that they go through as a result of not having enough menstrual products. So for example, some women who preferred tampons compared to pads, but they only had access to pads, they would make tampons out of pads. And it was just unhealthy, unhygienic, undignifying. And it made me get interested into this issue of period poverty, poverty, because I learned this wasn't just in prisons. Mm -hmm. It was in our communities. And it's not just in developing countries. It is in the US too. I grew up in the United States my whole life. And I'd say I grew grew up in pretty privileged areas where I didn't see firsthand people experiencing period poverty out in public or anything. But I learned it it is happening in our communities. It's happening in the Midwest, in Iowa. And I searched up to see if there were organizations that dealt with this issue. And there were a lot of them in the big cities. So New York, LA, where you kind of see this issue on the streets everywhere. There's like people dealing with this issue there but there weren't very many in Iowa, the little in the Midwest. And the ones that did exist did not have a multifaceted approach. Mm -hmm. So I decided to start my own. And so Left 4 Ed is a 501c3 nonprofit, as you mentioned. And we work to fight period poverty in Iowa through service, education, and advocacy. It is specifically the education and the advocacy that makes us different from a lot of other organizations who just work on the service. 
and to go more into depth on what we do. So with service, we donate menstrual products to people and places in need. When we first started off, we started with organizations in Iowa that kind of, they were able to connect with low-income and underserved communities that were in need with these products. And so we'd reach out to homeless shelters, women's shelters, medical clinics, other organizations kind of similar who are able to reach these areas. And all of them would tell us that they get these donations from other people of clothing, hygiene items, everything kind of those things that people think about when they want to give donations, food even, but no one thinks about menstrual products. No one thinks about people who struggle with this issue because of the stigma. And that we that's something we've been trying to fight. And that's also through education where we have events and we host we host events as well as going to events in the community to destigmatize this topic and to spread awareness on period poverty so that we can talk about it normally without people not wanting to talk about it and making this issue worse. And then with advocacy, that is where we get our long-term change. Lefered's final goal would be to not exist at all. <laughs> if every person who menstruates has the products they need, there is no reason why we would need to be doing the work that we do. So that that's kind of our main goal at the very end, but obviously that will take a long time. Very long so we're time. fighting for long term, very long time, yes, but we're trying to make that as soon as possible with advocacy. So this February, we had our first day on the hill. And so basically mm -hmm. what that is, is we go, we went up to the Iowa State Capitol in Des Moines. We had people from both Des Moines, where we are mostly based, we are mostly based in the Des Moines Metro. But as I go to school at the University of Iowa, that is based in Iowa City. And so we had people from Iowa City as well drive up to Des Moines, which is it's about a two hour drive. And they drove that morning. Mm -hmm. And we were there bright and early in the morning before the senators even gaveled in into the legislature. And we spoke with legislators and key change makers about pushing for free menstrual product access. And so our biggest goal right now has been schools, like the biggest focus, I would say. We started off doing a lot of low-income areas with organizations, and we still support a lot of those organizations today. So we support about four, maybe 14 organizations, but we also support around 10 schools currently. And that has been our main focus as well. As a student, I have faced this issue of you, you're at school, you're trying to learn, you realize you got your period, you go to the bathroom, and there's realize there's nothing, there's nothing there. So you, what do you do? You take some toilet paper, stuff it down there, walk to the nurse's office, ask a friend. And that's what we call the walk of shame. No one yeah. wants to be walking out of the bathroom to a nurse's office, to a counselor's office, to have to get a menstrual product, which, first of all, takes time out of their class time where they should be learning. It's an obstacle to their academic success. And so the way we're fighting this is when we donate products to schools, we make sure that they keep them in the bathrooms. So I started off donating to Waukee High School as that was the first, that was where I graduated. So it made sense to donate there first. 
And so we donate period packs, which they are, they're just little Ziplocs that have five thick pads, five thin pads, five super tampons, and five regular tampons. And we think that variety is very necessary as people have different flows, different need different absorbencies. People just need different things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we can't, you can't expect everyone to accommodate to one thing. And so we have a variety in the bathrooms and we keep them on top of those metal dispensers that you see in the bathrooms. Mm -hmm. The ones where you have to put 25 cents in a quarter to turn and take out a menstrual product. When you're in school, no one carries around quarters. No one, no one is able to do that, especially not middle schoolers, high schoolers. They're not, they don't, that's not accessible for them. So we make sure that they're accessible by keeping them on there. Right. Uh, some questions that come up uh, while you're talking, when you say we, so obviously you have a team that has, you know, of like-minded people who have collected together and decided, yes, I feel passionate about this and want to do this. Now, funding is one thing, uh, working is one thing, service is one thing, and actually doing the groundwork is one thing. How did you collect, uh, I mean, of course, you must be having friends, but talk about the support from your parents, your family, and uh, your friends. Yeah. So when I started this organization, it was pretty much a one-man show. But behind me, I had my parents. My mom, she is, she's our Des Moines Operations Director currently. But when I first started, she was my driver, my photographer. (laughs) She was everything, helped me set everything up, helped me make phone calls, emails, which she all continues to help me with that today. Absolutely. She is one of the most vital people in this organization. None of this would have been possible without her. And so she has been extremely supportive of this effort when I first came to her about wanting to even do anything about this. And so I currently am in Iowa City. So we have an Iowa City team, which kind of we're trying to expand into Iowa City, Iowa City schools. But most of our um, operations are in Des Moines. And so my mom, as I said, is our Des Moines operations. And then within Des Moines operations, we have student ambassadors who are students at each of the schools that we donate to. And they're the ones who take care of their school's menstrual product need. And so they are members of our organization who are also students at those schools who are giving back to their community and making sure that the students at their schools have access to menstrual products. Now, are these are these shortlisted by you? Are they interviewed by you to find out whether they really are going to go the long distance or uh, they're in for just a short time? It's pretty much what they decide to make it. So we allow almost anyone to join our organization. There's no... There's no really requirements as long as you want to do it, you want to help. We would love any help that we can get. And a lot of the students that we have are eager to help with this cause. It's interesting to them. They they want to help because no one else is really doing this work in their schools. And we do have a mostly female student volunteers, but one of our biggest things is we want to be gender inclusive. So by doing that, we we like to use gender neutral like wording and language 
because not all people who menstruate are women and not all women menstruate. So we cannot be like equating menstruating to womanhood and womanhood to menstruating. And by doing that, we also want to emphasize that period poverty is not just a women's issue. Mm -hmm. Everyone has women that they care about. It's a societal issue. Exactly. It's a human issue. So we like to include the we like to include men into the conversation as well. So I have a little brother. He's currently in middle school. He's uh-huh. going to be 14 this year and he's one of our student ambassadors at his school. And so he's recruited a few of his friends as well. How and nice. wow. Yeah. So we have a couple we have a couple boys in our organization who help with this or- issue and it helps destigmatize the topic. It helps make the next generation more aware, even if we can't change the people who've already made up their minds about it, at least we can change the future. That's amazing. Uh, At an age where people are so conscious about their looks, uh, conscious about what they are saying, you have somebody on your team who is out to uh, talk about a topic that is basically stigmatized, isn't it? So kudos to your brother, kudos to your mother here on the podcast. I'm, I'm acknowledging their contribution. Thank you. We need more brothers and mothers like this. <laughs> Absolutely. So that's about your team, Mania, and uh, the like-minded individuals that you have with you. Let's talk about the funding. Where are you? Is it currently uh, from individuals or do you have plans to look for funds outside of that also? So funding is our biggest issue. It is something that we do not have a constant revenue stream. It's nothing really reliable. So we do get individual donors and we do we are able to apply to grants, but the issue that we are fighting for, a lot of big companies, it doesn't align with their causes. So for example, a lot of the corporate companies, their biggest kind of concerns that they focus on are housing financial health, things like that, that you can't even stretch period poverty to include. But we found a couple companies that are, for example, there's one company who is like 65% women owned. So they like to focus on women issues, issues that affect women. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to kind of connect there a little bit and get a few grants, but, or help as well. But really funding is something that we're always in need of. And the thing that we've run into right now is this kind of catch-22 situation with expansion and funding. So currently, it costs us anywhere between $1,000 to $3,000 a year to support one school. And we currently do not have the capacity to be supporting every school in Iowa. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the places that we donate to, or sorry, a lot of the places where we get our funding they'll give their bigger donations to bigger organizations. And so we're not big enough to get the big grants that we need. But to expand and get the like outreach that we want, we need to be bigger. So we're always in need of support, always in need of funding. Yeah. Well, I wish you a lot of support and funding, um, you know, through this podcast. I'm hoping that you get something that will, you know, give you a boost Let's take a break to understand what Jizuba is. 
Everyone at some point ponders on how this beautiful life can be made more meaningful. Maybe you're a leader trying to enhance your employees' experience at your organization. Or you already work for the community and seek volunteers with state-of-the-art skills to strengthen your nonprofit. Whatever your situation, know that you can make a difference. Chizuba began with this very vision. A vision to facilitate every skill and every passion in the world in meeting a social need. Corporate volunteering has several benefits for both businesses and organizations. In parallel, experienced and enthusiastic volunteers join NGO workers, enabling them to serve the community more effectively. Chizuba offers everyone looking to add purpose and meaning to their lives a chance to connect or volunteer virtually with non-profit organizations from over 100 countries around the world. Visit www.chizuba.net and explore opportunities to find meaning. Chizuba, your platform to do good. And now, back with our guest. Uh, I would say, what if you start... Uh, what if people start small love for reds in every organization uh, and you collaborate with other, maybe even uh, factories or manufacturers who are into period products, you could collaborate with them. Did you, did you try doing that? We have reached out to a lot of big companies. Um, we haven't gotten a lot of response, but it's something we're always trying, never, never quit, never give up. So we're always hopeful that a big company would like to partner with us but we also like to keep it local we are a local nonprofit, so mm -hmm. we like to donate to local places but at the same time we've loved we'd love to expand and get big yeah well here i'm i'm trying to garner all the support that you can on this podcast i am just looking at the wonderful opportunities that you are also getting in terms of you know budgeting in terms of planning organizing strategizing all this experience at this age, how does it feel? Are you enjoying it? Obviously, you are enjoying it. But how do you make the time for this with everything else that's going on? That is definitely something that I have run into roadblocks with as a college student. So I'm currently a public health major at the University of Iowa, but I'm also on the pre-medicine track. And if anyone knows anything about the pre-medicine track is that it is very demanding. Currently, I'm taking a couple organic chemistry, like I'm taking an organic chemistry class. I'm also not just in, I like to be multifaceted. So I'm not just running a nonprofit and being pre-medicine. I'm also in a lot of, I'm also in a lot of other activities as well at the University of Iowa. So time management has been something I have been working on, but constantly improving. But I would say the biggest thing that I have learned so far is not doing it alone. Having support around me and reaching out to people who maybe know more than me. So for example, like my mom in Des Moines, she helps with the Des Moines operations because from Iowa City, there's really not a lot I can do. I can send the emails. I can meet up with people when I go back to Des Moines, but asking for that help has been like instrumental. And for example, in Iowa City, we have an Iowa City team. And it's not just everyone doing everything, we have individual roles. 
So the great thing about a university is you can find people in different specialties. So there's people in economics, finance, who can help us with our finance things, mm -hmm. things that I might not be the best at. We have people who are English majors and writing majors who will be writing articles for our websites, which they can do that a lot better than me. And that's something I should accept and ask for that help and ask for the support. And yeah, just asking people who can help me in ways and they can give back as well. That's That's been a way to kind of time management and make sure, kind of delegate tasks and to get the cause going without overwhelming just one singular person. Yeah. You know, Manya, I have just met you maybe a few moments ago, and I'm in awe of your uh, wisdom at this age. Uh, when you talk about, so there are key uh, messages here, right? You're talking about teamwork, you're talking about delegation, and you're talking about accepting that some places you need help and somebody is better than you in some places that is such a big lesson for everybody out there not only for youngsters but for everybody out there thank you you you've, uh, your words are really really inspiring and i'm feeling so proud of you and i just met you <laughs> thank you mania uh, do you remember any particular impactful or touching moment uh, that you've experienced while you've been working on this project Absolutely. I think one kind of, this is a more general thing that I have noticed, mm -hmm. but every time that we speak to women, whether mm -hmm. it be, or not even, sorry, not women, menstruators, anytime mm -hmm. we think we speak to anyone who menstruates, um, and it be events or a meeting or anything of the sorts, women, sorry, menstruators who speak to us when they realize that other people can relate with this issue, not even the issue, but having periods, mm -hmm. the amount of stories and shared experiences that people start to share, it's inspiring. And it really puts into perspective how, how like, even though we feel like it's such an individual experience when going through not having a tampon, or a pad in the bathroom or feeling cramps on your period and not being able to go to school, it feels so alone and isolating when half the population goes through this. And so when you hear those stories and you and people start sharing and talking about it, it makes it makes everyone feel better about everything involved with it. And so some specific things that I can think of relating to the work we've done is with all the schools that we've donated to, um, a lot of the teachers, like how thankful they are. There was, there was one um, nurse who said that she has students, a lot of students at her high school who are not able to afford these products. Mm -hmm. And the school doesn't have enough to give to these students. And so she would bring menstrual products from her home, from home. Yes. to give to her students. And she reached out and she was like, hey, like, if you guys are able to support, it would be like, very great. And we're like, absolutely. Like, that is why we are here. This is what we are fighting. But hearing that story, it was, it really puts it into perspective that, you know. That you're doing like the people, right thing and you, you are yes, on the right path. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Exactly. That it's we're making a difference. We are making a tangible difference. And some really touching stories of kind of like I said, I grew up in a more privileged area, I would say. Mm-hmm. I I don't think yes. I've ever faced true period poverty. But I so I worked at a OBGYN clinic over the summer mm-hmm. and there was a lady who came in who she had just had a baby. And she was dealing with postpartum bleeding. And I think it was like her first period after she had her baby. And so the doctor said that that period is significantly, it can be significantly heavier than your periods before. Mm -hmm. And so when she came in, she was talking about how she's not able to manage it. And we realized that at that appointment, she was using a tissue as a menstrual product. And I was like, even in these clinics who they they have products there but they're not giving them out to people and that's when i knew like we need to start donating to clinics as well so we donate to that clinic as well and it's when you see the issue in real life that's it it really brings it into perspective it's a hard Mm -hmm. yes yes very much so and that really like it puts it out there that People are struggling in silence. And it is because of the stigma, it is because of the lack of conversation that these people don't feel comfortable enough, feel encouraged enough, dignified enough to reach out for help or get these products or feel like the issue they're going through is valid. Yeah, and it hurts, doesn't it? it? It hurts when you know that there is something that is so basic as a requirement, but mm-hmm. it's not considered big enough to be considered as something that needs uh, attention. Uh, that itself yes. is quite frustrating at times. Yeah, yeah. And lastly, uh, uh, Manya, tell us what advice would you give somebody your age or younger than you uh, to not only combat uh, period poverty or anything. So talking about uh, over navigating challenges or advocacy or wanting to do something for uh, the community but may not know where exactly to start what would your advice be my advice would be to take that first step advocacy and making a change it seems very big very intangible very inaccessible yes daunting but anyone can do it everyone has a voice everyone has their own power so with legislature reach out to your legislators if you go to any of the legislator websites you can figure out who your legislators are of your district and reach out to them people don't realize how powerful that can be it it seems like they're so far away and you only see them on tv you only see them out and like you don't really see them out and about but those are the people that can make a difference and you're the ones that tell them what to do they are representing you and you can go and tell them what you want to what you want to be changed and so realizing that you can you have a voice you should use your voice and then also taking initiative in your community and it doesn't have to be anything big so when we started we were just donating menstrual products 
we weren't doing anything too crazy. We didn't really think it was going to even get that big. And here I am today just by persevering, keeping what, keeping doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Very, exactly. And it can seem daunting, but just doing it. I think that's probably the most important thing because people limit themselves. I know myself, my mom tells me all the time, I'm my biggest inhibitor. I'm the one who stops myself the most. (laughs) It's always, uh, I think you look at what can I do better today than what I did Mm -hmm. yesterday. Absolutely. Wonderful. And going off of your passions, I think that's another thing that you don't have to be doing something that someone else is doing just because they're doing it. Like I personally am really interested in reproductive health. And Mm -hmm. so like I want to be an OBGYN when I'm older, go to medical school, kind of do that whole thing. And Mm -hmm. so this is, I'm able to do what I want because I'm passionate about it. So finding your passion. Very, very successful OBGYN. Thank you. Thank you. But yeah, just finding a passion and building upon it. I think that's That's really what can get you really far in life. Wonderful, mm-hmm. wonderful. If Mania, if I, virtually I'm giving you the crown and I'm hugging you. Virtual hug. <laughs> Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, efforts to address po- period poverty require breaking down barriers, raising awareness, and advocating for change at the community, national, and global levels. Mania's passion and drive are inspiring. She's a shining example of how young people can be powerful agents of change. It just goes to show that age is not a barrier when it comes to making a positive impact on the world. Thank you for joining us on this episode, Manya. It was lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for having me.